Well, I could think of no better way to start the day out, right? Being with the people of God, the family of God, and thank you all so much for uh, uh, making the effort to come out and, and be a part of what God is doing today, and, and wow, it's, it's life-changing and history-making. And today, uh, if you haven't been with us in a while, we're continuing our study. Uh, despite what Corey said last week, we were not through with uh, the truth about God's family, and I have to give him a hard time. Didn't the students do great last week? I mean, let's give them a hand, and, and wow, what a day that was, and the, the children's ministry the week before that. I feel like I haven't been up here in a month of Sundays, and, and man, just raring to get back. We went on vacation this week. How many of you uh, love going on vacation and, and looking forward to getting one soon? And, and you know, the, the, the funny thing is, is, is you go on vacation, or at least I do, and, and I just wear uh, swimming trunks. We're at the beach and just wear swimming trunks, no shirt, shirt no shoes, you know, the, the story there. And, and man, it's hard to put regular clothes back on when you come back to real life. But I, I did. I, at least a, a, a t-shirt that's clean and, and some jeans and all that good stuff. But welcome today. Uh, how many of you know we haven't really dealt fully with the family of God? Man, we've talked about marriage. We've talked about children. We've talk, talked about students and teenagers and, and, and being a family uh, a unit. But, but we haven't really jumped in and dived deep into the truth about God's family. And, and that's exactly what we're going to do for the next few moments. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have, get this, and, and this is where we come into play, he wanted to have many children to share his glory. Now, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because he is the only name by which man can be what? Saved. Then you are a child of God. That verse is talking about you. He wanted to have many, many children, many children, countless children. And that is where we come into play. Everything that God created was preparation for the crown of his creation. He prepared the world as an expression of his divine qualities, as the destined environment for man, you and me, all of us to inhabit. And then different from everything else, he formed us. Remember, we talked about this weeks ago in his own image and likeness. And he breathed life into us, divine life into us. And we entered into a physical existence, although we don't dwell there, do we, Miss Angel? We have spirit life in Jesus Christ. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, the Word of God tells us. And what we love about this creation story is this. After all of his work, and man, I saw some of that on display this week as I watched the waves just come, come to the shore and then, and then go back again and, and come again and back again. And I looked out at night over the ocean and saw all the stars and the planets and, planets and the galaxy, just, just beautiful pieces of God's creation. I looked around at all the people that he placed here on this planet for such a time as this. And I marveled at that. But what I love is that after creating all that, the heavens and the earth and all that's in them, and creating us, his most prized creation. Look at somebody and say, you're the prize. Go ahead, don't be shy. They won't bite. They brushed your teeth this morning. Look back at them and say, you are the prize. Here's what he did when he created all of that, and then he placed us here to enjoy it, to live here, to inhabit this world, to populate this planet. Here's what he did. The Bible tells us in Genesis that he came down in the cool of the day, in the garden every day, to hang out with us. To build relationship 
as it were, to form that and to fashion that and to merge us with himself. To know us and for us to know him and how incredible is that. So this week we're going to focus on and charge you to start participating truly. Truly living in and loving the family of God. And the charge is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. If you're taking notes, write that down. 1 Peter 2, 17. And it simply says this, and it's powerful, and it's simple, but it's life-changing. It says, for all of us to love your spiritual family. That's the charge. To love one another. To love your brothers and sisters in Christ. To love expressively, love powerfully, love beautifully, love as Jesus Christ loves. I believe that God desires, I know that he desires for every one of us to learn to love our spiritual family as he loves us. God's design for his people in process through this life experience is rich and deep fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Anybody ever heard that before? And the root word is coinness, which means common, ordinary, every day. And the expansion of that root means sharing what is in common and ordinary and every day. While it may be wrapped in the common parts of life, there is nothing common about the connection that God creates between his children. It is really an uncommon thing when it works as it should. Jesus said in John chapter 13, these words, let me give you a new command. And that is, and I'm sure you've heard this if you've been in church any length of time at all, love one another. In the same way I loved you, you love each other. Can you just see him here instructing us, giving us this message himself this morning? I hope you can. I know I, I am not anywhere close to him, but, but I want you to hear him sharing this with us and encouraging. He says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are what? My disciples. He says, this is going to be the litmus test, the true mark of Christ following. When they see the love that you have for one another. What sets us apart as Christians, the, the biggest Bible we can carry under our arms. The Jesus sticker on our, on our car bumper. The t-shirts that, that, that proclaim, I love Jesus, how about you? No, none of that stuff. That's the trappings of Christianity and modern day society that we live in. What sets us apart is the bottom line, how we love one another as God's family and those who are outside of God's family. It's all about love. And if you're writing notes, write that down and do not forget that. Write it on the pages of your heart. The shame is that we so often settle for less, far less than God's perfect plan for us. We interpret the trickles of blessings as the totality of it. God is so good that he cannot help but bless his people. There is this spillover effect that affects a person when God comes near, but that spillover is just a taste of what he would like to do in and among his people. Church fellowship is loving God's family. And the Bible says this in 1 John 4 verse 21, the person who loves God. Now get this, this might blow your mind. It says, the person who loves God must also love other believers. So it's not a take it or leave it option. It's not something if you feel like it, if you, if you really jive with that person and you just feel a, a connection with them. No, don't you love that word connection? No, no, it's not like that. It's, it's a must. It's imperative. It's, it's, it's a non-negotiable. 
If you love God, you must love each other. That is a directive, a command. Now remember, this is the second greatest command, next to loving God with everything that we are. And by comparison, this is much more crucial than than what you believe about other controversial issues. The necessity of loving one another is emphasized by those very words specifically 13 times in the New Testament. Nine of the references come from John the Beloved. And I would say that, that what you choose to do about this commandment is more important than anything else other than loving God with everything you have. And when you love God's kids, listen to me, church. When you love one another, listen to me, church. I'm going to say it again. When you love each other, you love God. Mm. Now, family life (laughs) has its challenges. I've said it in every message thus far in this study, I do believe And I'll say it in this one. Loving God's family at times is hard. (laughs) Difficult, challenging, painful. But it isn't any different than loving your own family, right? I mean, it's not always hunky and dory loving your family. Those those blood relations, those people that you live in the same house with and, and God saw fit to put you connected by blood relation. It's not always easy, right? And the reason why is because we are human. We have our stuff, right? We get on each other's nerves. We're not quite perfect yet. Family life has its challenges. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes these words, I'm writing so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. And that family is the church. So what Paul understood here very clearly was this. We need help. We need instructions. We need advice. We need guidance. We need divine guidance. We need God to tell us and show us and exemplify just how we do this thing called church family. Because I'm going to tell you, there are a number of people in this world that when the going gets tough, they get going, right? They just run away. It's too hard. It's too difficult. You people are nuts. <laughs> I don't like y'all very much. Y'all are not giving my way, me my way enough. So I am out of here. I am gone. See you later. Sayonara. That's not God's plan. Now, if you'll notice in this verse, Paul says, I'm writing you so that you'll know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church. If you, if you have your Bibles open, if you open them later, you can circle that word family and then circle the word church and then draw a line between the two because the church is a family, period, bottom line. It's not a building, although we are gl- glad to have a building to meet in. It's not an institution. It is not an organization. It is not a club. It is a family, plain and simple. Now, a lot of people will say this, well, I'm going to go to church as if church is a place you go to. And we've had that debate. We've talked about that. But that's not exactly correct. Church is not a place you go to. Church is a family that you belong to. Right? Come on, let me hear you. Some of you getting quiet on me like you're ready to take a nap. Church is a family that you belong to, and there is a huge difference it's more than a building. It's more than a service. It's a, it's a family that we are a part of, connected to. Again, that word. And so we choose to live in the spillover blessing. Or we choose to pursue everything that God has to offer us. And fellowship is one of those areas. One of those areas that we make that choice. People choose to live at one of four levels of fellowship that we're going to finish with today. 
And the first level is simply this, if you're taking notes. It's called membership, choosing to belong. And that's the most basic level. That means you find a church family and you choose. You choose to get connected to it. And look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.19. You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You belong. If you're taking notes, write those two words down. You belong. And if you're not taking notes, just hear that right now. Let it grip your heart. Because some of you walked into this building today that we meet at as the church, and you said in your head, or the enemy said to you in your head, you don't belong here. And some of you bought that. Some of you felt disconnected. Some of you felt like, I I just not have a place. I don't belong. I don't don't feel all that stuff. And what that is, is the enemy lying to you. And trying to get you disconnected from God's family and tell you, you don't have a place here. But I'm here to declare what God's word has declared to all of us, that you belong. You are a part. You are the family of God. And therefore, you have just as much right here as anybody else gathering with God's family. Don't let the enemy discount you when God has already counted you as family. Listen, when we're born, we're automatically become a part of the human race. You have to choose to belong to the family of God, the church. It is a choice. It is a membership choice. And it's significantly more than membership in an organization for sure, because Romans 12, 5 spells it out clearly. It says, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Reach over there and touch the shoulder of your neighbor right there sitting near you. Look, look at them in the eyes just for a moment and say, we belong to each other. We don't just hang out together. Now, some of you may be married, and that really means a lot more than that situation. But the reality is, we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we who come from different homes and different backgrounds and different families, we are one in Jesus Christ, and therefore we belong together, connected as family. Man, I love that. Because some of us don't really have a lot of family left here on this earth. And I'm one of those someones, and some of us never had a lot of family. But here's the beauty of it. We come together in Jesus Christ. The blood washes us, brings us to new birth into this great family of God that he himself desired to have and put together here for that purpose. And you belong to him. And all of you watching, same goes for you. Beautifully formed to one body, each member belonging to the others. The scripture speaks of membership in terms of, get this, human anatomy. One part of the body being joined to other parts to form a complete unit. It's not just talking about having a, a membership certificate to some little organization. Yes, I belong. I've got my paperwork. It's here somewhere, right? Oh, yes, here's my... Here's my certificate of membership. I've joined, I've paid my dues, and doggone it, I'm on the roll. No, 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 no. My arm is a part of my body, and I'm thankful for it because, man, it helps me eat. Use that fork and spoon and knife. I've I've become an expert at that in 53 years. I'm being honest today. Didn't even fudge my age. Aren't you glad? I'm, I'm making progress. Some of you have suffered handicapped situations. Some of you know people that have lost body parts and there's just something that that just, it's painful. And here is the 
the true meaning of this membership of belonging in God's family is that we are one. That we are joined together just as our bodies are joined together and work in harmony. And when one is missing, how painful it is. When one throws in the towel and says, I give up and I walk away. Or I want to go search out the treasures of this world or whatever it may be. Then that is a painful thing because they belong to God's family rightfully. And it should affect us. It should do something to us. It's a choice. Now I know full well that there are people who stay away from church because they discover its imperfections. <laughs> right? Oh, I'm not going to that church. There are a bunch of hypocrites over there. Listen, the ability to see flaws and mistakes, the ability to analyze the mistakes of others are not the marks of wisdom. Simply the characteristics of critical, detached people. The farther detached we are, the easier this becomes. The most critical people in any organization or any family are the most detached. Attendance at any sporting event will quickly reveal that the expertise is in the bleachers. Amen? You don't have to be in shape to be a critic, right? It's really not even necessary to have ever even played the game. People detach from churches when they discover that they are not perfect. They stop serving. And the farther away from the playing field that they get, the more critical they become. Have you ever noticed that? It's a mark of immaturity to criticize from a detached perspective. It is a mark of spiritual maturity to learn to love the wrinkled church. Right? Because right now, we haven't reached that place of perfection. God is working on us. He is purging out the impurities. He is getting out the dross. All the, the stuff is not, that's not supposed to be in us as the people of God. He is working through the Holy Spirit to remove that stuff. And it is a lengthy process at times for some of us. And I count myself in that number. Nevertheless, this is the plan that God has chosen for us to be called the family of God. And one day... When that trumpet blasts and the sky splits wide open and he calls his beautiful bride home, we will be made perfect. And at that point, then all this stuff will be left behind. But let me tell you something, just because we are not quite there yet is no reason for anybody to disjoin themselves from God's family. Because when we spot the imperfections in others, we're missing the glaring imperfection in us. If you haven't realized it yet, pal, you aren't perfect either. Wake up. Join the family. Go all in. Let's work together to see God perfect us and mold us and shape us and remove the stuff that doesn't belong. And make us perfect as he is perfect. We're in that process. Listen, folks. There are thousands of good organizations, but only one church. He's committed himself to its preservation, and one day that wedding will take place. The bridegroom will claim the church, his bride, spotless, perfect, wrinkle-free. So don't stand back and throw mud at his bride because that's not helping anything at all. The second level of commitment is friendship, of family, is friendship, learning to share. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone, and how many of us know that's the truth? 
In other words, we were made for each other. Life is not a solo act, and, and we need each other. We need friends to help us make it down the road. God's Word said, says in Acts 2.44 that all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Isn't that a beautiful picture that we get in our mind's eye? All the believers met together daily and shared everything with one another. Now, we, we automatically, when we talk about sharing, we, we talk about, we, we think about, I think it triggers in most of us, well, man, they, they shared a cup of sugar when I needed it for a recipe. They, they shared some bread. We was out of bread, and we, we got fresh tomatoes coming in, and we want to make some mater sandwiches with Duke mayonnaise and salt and pepper on that stuff, and, and we didn't have any bread in, in the Walmart for some crazy reason. Closed, so they, they, they shared a loaf of bread with me. We're not just talking about that, although those are things that we share with each other, right? How many of you shared something physical, some kind of blessing with somebody just this week? Let me see your hands. We need to do a lot better than that. There's about five of us that shared something with people. Come on, people, start sharing. But even more than that, we're going to find out a little bit more of what these people shared and what we are to be sharing. But I want you to notice two things first off. One, you can't develop friendships without meeting together. Can somebody say amen to that? And number two, you can't develop friendships without sharing. The more frequently we meet together, the closer we are going to get. You ever see some people that have really deep friendships and, and man, these, these great powerful relationships, and you look at them and think, man, they're so fortunate. I've never been that fortunate. Well, here's the key to it. It's not necessarily that they're fortunate. Here's the reality. They chose to invest into friendships. They chose to make the effort. They didn't sit back in a chair and just say, well, I'm just going to wait for somebody to come and be my friend. So-and-so's got all these friends, and I need some friends, so I'm just going to sit here, and no matter how long it takes, if it takes an hour, I'm going to wait an hour. I just want some friends to come and, and find me and be my friend. How many of you know it takes action? It takes us stepping out. It takes us going to somebody and saying, hey, hey, who are you? What, what's going on with you and stuff? And you invest, and you, you cultivate that, and you grow that, and you work it. It's just like growing a garden. You've got to work the ground. You've got to plant the seed. You've got to water it. You've got to get the weeds up out of the way so it won't choke the life out of the good seed. You've got to make the choice to be a friend. And when you do that, I guarantee you that the investment that you put into it with God's help and God's blessing is going to grow and become a powerful, beautiful friendship. It's amazing how that works. But we have to make the choice to work it. We have to come together. Bible shares, says they shared, amongst other things, three things I want to point out. First of all, they shared everything it says. But one thing is they shared experiences. That's, that's a beautiful thing, experiences. The Bible says people learn from one another just as iron sharpens iron. Have you ever heard of the, that phrase before? It, it's wise to learn from experience. Well, it's wise to learn from the experience of other people because you don't have, have the time to make all the mistakes yourself. Amen? Teach each other. Secondly, the Bible says that we're to share our homes. It says in 1 Peter 4, 9, open up your homes to each other. The early church met daily from house to house. Some people worry about, well, my home might not be as nice as someone else's. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. We're not going there to see if your home belongs on Better Homes and Gardens front page on the, on the, on the front of the magazine. No. It's more about building this than it is what your house looks like. And why we push small groups so, so strongly in this church 
is because I, I guarantee you this, you will not get to know each other in the 90 minutes or so that we spend here on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. You just won't do it, right? I mean, you come in here and you greet each other and you, you look at each other and smile. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you too. Had a good week? Yep, had a good week. How about you? Yep, all right, see you next week. Say the same thing. You don't know each other. You don't have relationship through two minutes of banter in the hallway. But I'm going to tell you what, you get together in, in that small group, in that connect group, and you start sharing life together. And what happens is a beautiful thing. You become, you just become just welded together, just, just growing together in this, in this family. Well, isn't, that, isn't that something? Family. Well, we should talk about that, right? Oh, yeah, we are. And, and, and some weeks you're in there, man, and just laughing your face off because of experiences that, that, that families in, in the group have had that week or individuals in the group have had that week, and you're sharing those and, and, and just enjoying that. And then some weeks you're in tears with each other because of what some folks have went through that week in the group. Now, the point is to grow in God's Word, but the point is equally as important that we grow with each other as family. One of the four pillars of connections is small group. That's why we push it week in and week out. That's why we encourage. That's why we urge. That's why we, we, we beg sometimes. Get connected to a group so that you can begin to build those family relationships and those friendships. And you can share your home, your life, your, your church with each other. How important that is. And not only do we share experiences in our homes, but number three, we share our problems. We're not meant to face our problems alone. The Bible says share each other's troubles and problems. You know when you share a joy, it's double when you share a problem. It's cut in half. Amen? <laughs> the Bible says weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We need each other and we need to share those things. The Bible says, that's why it tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Is that not right? We can't stop coming together. We need to come together more. Well, that church is doing too much over there. I don't really think a church could ever be doing too much, honestly. And I don't say that just because I'm your pastor. I say that because I believe it with everything I am. Let's do more. Let's be more. Let's connect more. Let's grow more. Let's love more. Let's relate more. Let's interact more. Let's share the gospel more. Let's pray more. Let's lift each other up more. Let's cry together more. Let's laugh together more. More, more, more. How do you like it? How do you, I'm sorry. Some of you knew that's where I was going. I really didn't know that myself until it just, whoop. But I hope you never forget it. And that'll be the only time you ever see me dance even close to that. I wouldn't even dance. I'm sorry. Primary purpose of, of small group is to encourage each other and grow together in, in relationship and in the word. Do not give up that habit. I'm going to tell you, we've been under attack in the last year and a half here in this country to divide, to run and hide, to stop gathering. And I know we need to be safe, and I know we need to be cautious. But some trust in horses and some in chariots. But I trust in the name of the Lord my God, period. He has an appointed time for me and all of us, and he keeps us in the palm of his hand. And when that day and time comes, there's nothing I can do to stop it. And until that day and time comes, there's nothing I can do to, to speed it up. 
Folks, we have got to come together. If not, we will fall apart. Third level of, 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 of moving into family relationship is partnership. It's doing my part. This is perhaps one of the most significant steps that a person can take relative to their church family. You have a place, you have a role, a contribution to make that is crucial to the help, health and the effectiveness of your church family. Because the bottom line is we all want families to grow, right? We certainly want the family of God to grow because as we started with just a few moments ago, God said, I want to have many children, right? Not just a few. Not just the huddled masses over here. Not just the frozen chosen. A little bit of a few sprinkled little lambs over here. It's just my little group. Us four, no more. Sorry. You're out. That was never God's intention. Just like in a family... And, and some of you may have, have grown up in families like this, and if you did, God help you. And if you was this person, God really help you. You ever seen those families where just one person does everything? I'm going to cook the meal. I'm going to get the ingredients. I'm going to go to the grocery store. We've got to back it up. I've got to go to the grocery store, get the food. Then I've got to bring it home. Then I've got to put it all up. Then I've got to get some of it back out. Then I've got to cook it all. Then I've got to put it on the plate. So I've got to set the table. Then I've got to get all the silverware out. Then I've got to fill up all the cups of ice, pour everybody's drink, you know, their good old sun drop and, and their iced tea and their water and all that good stuff. Then I've got to put the plates out there and get, get the food on the plates and get everybody down. To, hey, come on, supper's ready. Come on, eat. Everybody comes down, eats, says, I'm going. I'm out of here. I'm going, whatever. And then, then I've got to clean it all up. And, do it again the next time. Whoop. <laughs> and all that, the trash got full. I got to grab that trash bag up and got to get it all outside. Got to go in and get another trash bag. Put it in the can so I can fill it up again or they can fill it up again and I can take it out again. One person was never meant to do it all. And how many churches have evolved to just that? Not this one. We have a great core of volunteers. As a matter of fact, one of the things I enjoy doing on Sunday morning just as much as I enjoy doing this, I think, is walking through the hallway and going to the classrooms and, and seeing our, our precious teachers back there with those children. And man, whoo, them children. Oh, man, they're just wide open on Sunday mornings. Most of the time, not always. They're just gentle love. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get some more teachers. I, let me back that up. That was at a different church I served at. This church, they're like precious lambs, just angels, just you couldn't ask for better kids. But nevertheless, I like to go back there and thank our teachers personally. Usually about the second or third song going on here, I make a trip down the hallways and peek in and say, thank you so much for serving. Thank you guys for serving. Thank our cleaning team for coming and serving week in and week out to get this place ready for us to come and worship together and be family together in this atmosphere. Thank, thank our worship teams. Thank, thank the coffee attendants and, 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 and everybody, the parking lot attendants and everybody who serves. Our board members, thank you. But here's the reality of it. Every single person that's a part of the family of God has a role to fill, has a place to serve, has a talent and a gift. We are all part of God's body. I'm going to tell you something. If my right hand and right arm decide, you know what? Not doing anything any, anymore. Not helping you eat anymore. That'd be pretty tough. Because I'm right-handed. And I have learned to rely on this sucker a whole lot. There are far too many crippled church families. Where far too many people say, ah, somebody else can do it. There are far too many people where... They've just given up on meeting together. 
Oh, I can just watch on Sundays. They got this wonderful thing that they do. They stream the service. And if I don't catch it Sunday morning because I want to sleep in, I'll just check it out through the week one day when I'm good and ready. And I got my church in. Not necessarily. Church is this. Church is serving and loving and working together. Church is bumping into each other and saying, man, good to see you, Joe. I tell you, I've missed you all week being on vacation. Your smiling face. I get to see you every, every day usually. And I was going to drive you down there just so I could see your face. And maybe play a little golf together. I, there's other mod- I'm sorry. I'm t- Churches, man, you're kidding me. You lost that member of your family this week? Come here, let's just talk and pray and let's sit down over here in the sanctuary. Man, I want to get together with you this week and follow up and listen. That's church. Now, now some people cannot physically make it here and I'm not talking to you. But if we can make it, let's make it. If we can be together, let's be together. Let's be family. Let's be united. Let's love and let's just get, get this out to everybody we can so that we can attract Because of the attractiveness of family relationship that's going on at Connections Church. Because of the love one for another. That the world around us, because that's exactly what happened to this first church in the book of Acts. Wow how they love each other was said about them. And when we love each other, it's attractive and it's attracting to those around us. And they say, I don't know what's going on, but i got to go get me some of that as we say here in the south. What a step to take. This is God's family. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, we are partners working together for God. Partners. Turn and say to somebody, you are my partner. And it says we are partners spreading the good news of Christ everywhere. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians and to us today. But in order to be a part, you've got to find your place. You've got to find where you fit. And you do fit. Please know that. Ephesians 4, 16 says the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Man, I love that. As each part does its own special work. Your work is special. Never discount that. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's your part. That's my part. And the last level as we finish this part of our service today is kinship. Loving each other like family. That's the deepest level of fellowship in the family of God. It's called kinship. Now, it's an old term. We don't use it much anymore. But kinship literally means your closest relationships. It means your closest family. When somebody has an accident, they say, notify the next of kin. They don't say, go find Aunt Ethel, this way a distant relative. No. They mean you find the person they care about the most, the person who is closest to them, the one that that they hold most dearly, and go get that person that matters most to them and bring them here right now. The Bible says that's the kind of attitude that we should have one to another. That's kinship. You, You might write this down. The deepest level is loving believers like family, treating and loving each other like their family. You're completely committed to them in Acts 2.42 it says they were like family to each other we are family Romans 12.10 
be devoted to each other like a loving family. We need each other desperately. As a pastor, I've been blessed, and I call it blessed even though it sounds like it's not, not really that, but to be by someone's bedside that's, that's leaving this earth to go home. Time, I, I can't even count how many times I've been in that hospital room, or I've been at that house, and been able to sit there with the family, comfort and encourage, pray, celebrate, cry and laugh. One thing that has stood out to me time and time again, not once have I heard one of those folks who were leaving this planet say, hey, go get all my trophies I won. Bring them here close to me so I can have them right by my side. Never heard that. Never heard them say, go get that gold watch they gave me at my retirement ceremony. I just want to have that in my hand, around my wrist. Never heard that. But what I have heard in every one of those situations was that person saying, go get my family. Make sure those that are closest to me, my family and my friends, are here with me if possible. Because I'm telling you, something you already know, that's what matters. That strong kinship connection with one another. That's the way God created us. That's the way he put us together. And that's the way that we at Connections Church want to live life with each other. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? I ask everyone in this room and everybody outside of this room, first and foremost, if you have not crossed the line of belonging to God's family in salvation through the blood of the precious spotless lamb of Jesus Christ. And you need to make that commitment, that decision, that step. First, above everything else, I ask you to do just that. So if you're in this room and you would say, hey, Pastor, I, I don't know the Lord, but I, I want to make him king of my life and have him come and save me from all my sins. Would you just raise your hands right now all across this room and let me know that that's your decision this morning as you choose Jesus and choose his family above everything else that's coming your way. Is there anybody this morning that hasn't made that step? Maybe watching and you want to let us know, just comment. Just, just tell us that that's your decision. With everyone... I believe in my heart having made that commitment in your own life then here's what I ask what about the next levels what about loving believers like family what about serving and giving and your part your role your responsibility your gift your talents and you you may have said I don't have anything I don't even know what I could do oh there's so much that God has blessed you with that you don't even realize it and as you take that step, he'll, he'll show you what it is. So many things in this room, in, in so many people that, that is untapped. And I'm just so excited about God taking the lid off, showing you what that is and how you can serve and, 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 and be a part of, of the family in that way of giving of yourself. 
What about sharing? What about friendship? What about membership? All those things are important. I just want us to end this way. I want everybody to stand to your feet across this room because I'm, I'm, I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit is stirring some things in people's hearts and lives that, that I can't even express. But, but God, who knows all, is doing what He does best in you right now. But more than anything, I want you to know once again, as I remind you one more time, that you belong, that you matter, that you are here for a purpose, that you are family, that God loves you more than anybody or anything else ever will. And He wants you to know that without a shadow of a doubt right now. So would you just find somebody and reach over and touch their shoulder or grab their hand right now as family across this room and you can bridge bridge the aisles there. That, that's perfectly fine. You can move around a little bit. You can, whatever you need to do to, to unite with somebody, do that right now. As we pray this prayer, I just want you to make it personal when you pray. Pray, pray for what God's stirring in your heart. Pray about what, what the Holy Spirit is, is speaking in your life. Pray about that thing and just commit it to Him. Trust Him with it right now. Father, thank You for loving us with Your everlasting love that we are Your children. We are Your family. We are a part of the family of God and how amazing that is that You did all of this to connect us and to adopt us and to bring us into Your home and Your heart. Thank You, Lord. God, I thank you for a revival, a, a revival of friendship, a revival of love, a revival of commitment that's taking place in this room right now and outside of it, that you're calling us together as family to stand up strong, to love each other, to reach out to those who are stumbling and who have drifted away, to do everything that we can to connect and not disconnect, God, to love each other as you love us, God as you've directed us over and over and over in your word to do, that the mark of your family is love for each other. Strong love. Unconditional love. A love that never gives up. A love that doesn't puff up or pride in itself. A love that is pure. A godly love. That agape love that we talked about weeks ago. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for reviving us. Renewing us as the family of God. And together, Lord, together to, to seal this up, we worship you, celebrate you, and honor you with everything that we have because that's the greatest command is to love you with everything that we are. Spirit, soul, body, mind, everything that we have, we love you, Jesus. And the second is to love one another. And we do that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Sing it out, church. He is worthy today. Thank you so much.